Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Dublin artist Alva Reddy, who's just released her debut album, Personal History, on her own Friends of the Family label. It's been a long time coming. She released her debut EP, Hollowed Out Sea, in 2016, another EP, Attached to Memory, in 2017, and a couple of tracks over the years since. But finally, we've got a full-length album to delve into. I think it's brilliant. It goes heavy on guitars. And it kind of chronicles Alva's uh, 20s. She's recently turned 29. So what a perfect time to look back and think about all the things that have happened over the past 10 years. So I think it's one of the best albums of the year. And as you'll find out very quickly on listening to our chat, she's good friends with Pillow Queens. And we reference uh, my chat with Sarah two episodes ago from Pillow Queens. Um, so maybe you'd like to go back and listen to that. It's nice hearing hearing the similarities and the help that they've given to each other over the years. Alva's a returning guest on the podcast. She was on the show all the way back on TPOE 66 a couple of years ago. If you want even more after listening to this chat. And if you follow Alva on her brilliant Instagram account, uh, you might be familiar with her tea ratings already. Uh, If you don't and you're wondering what I'm talking about about halfway through this interview, uh, while she was on tour in the UK a couple of years ago, she was doing tea ratings basically daily and uh, they were great so that's where the questions come from about halfway through uh, the interview but maybe I should just pivot to a condiments podcast with Irish artists what's your favorite condiment maybe that's something for me to uh, delve into but anyway this is uh, myself and Alvaretti chatting at her flat in Dublin city a couple of weeks ago on the day the Pillow Queens released their debut album Congratulations on your debut album. Before we talk about any of that, though, I had Sarah from Pillow Queens on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. She was singing your praises. We were both singing your praises. I don't know if you want to say anything about Pillow Queens. We're talking on the day they released their debut album. Anything that you want to say back in time to Sarah? Yeah, uh, she had very kind words. And funnily enough, I listened to that podcast and then I had just been with her that day. So pretty much went from like she left my apartment and then I put that podcast on about like two hours later uh so it was cute can't get enough just can't get enough but yeah their album is incredible uh I've I heard some of the kind of early mixes of it a good few months ago and yeah was talking to them about how well talking to Sarah in particular about like which track was going where so I feel like seeing it all come together has been really 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 special she was saying that the kind of bounced ideas off each other. Um, yeah. So that goes back to like just the recording side as well, as well as the uh, postage tips, which I think that she, yeah. was, she was on that buzz uh, that day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And also just like it's so nice to because for years, you know, I mostly worked with lads, which is great. Like um, I played in a band with a bunch of dudes and then like most of the producers I've worked with are male and stuff. So then I suddenly had this like group of friends outside of that, which like Lizzie from Bitch Falcon as well. And a few different people that I could, that are kind of friends, basically Dublin lesbians that are in this band. And we're always like bouncing ideas off each other and kind of uh, encouraging each other as lame as that sounds. Like I feel like it's really great having another band doing something at the same time, like a friend's band, because it feels like we're kind of bouncing ideas off each other and like kind of encouraging each other you'd think that there'd be com- a competitive there but it's like every time they got like five stars in nme today like I'm just that, or sorry four stars which is just insane like just makes you so happy to see stuff like that they got five stars in the irish times just class it just makes you really excited about what's happening in dublin at the moment so no rivalry at all no nothing, nothing pretend rivalry yeah, for sure yeah. oasis <laughs> 
um yeah. and and so bitch falcon are releasing their album i think next november month? yeah november? yeah i don't know are you are you and sarah both going to be like well listen to us we've got we've got all the experience now. got all the tips i always feel like lizzie's lizzie knows everything about the music industry so i don't know say but between the three of us we can try out some pretty decent advice we're total garbage you know <laughs> yeah so is that kind of different to say a couple of years ago when you would have maybe started out like was it all just men kind of around you and like did you feel like oh, I wish there was more women around it's not even something I wish because I often had loads of male friends growing up um and like a lot of my like really old friends are guys and I guess I've not really thought about it specifically in that way but um once I kind of met the girls from Pillow Queens and Bitch Falcon and then a few other and like Maria Kelly who I'm quite friendly with as well uh, all those people there is just kind of a oh this is nice we've all experienced the same side of this which is lovely. That was another thing with Irish Women in Harmony, where it was like, oh, like all of these people have experienced the same great things in this and also some of the less great things about working into the industry as a woman. But yeah, definitely like slightly, definitely not different in a way that like all the guys that I've ever worked with have been like super encouraging. And like I've worked with the guys from Baskerville for years and my friend Callum, who I've worked with for years as well. And we've like done different things on each other's EPs and like really supported each other along the way and had our own little thing going and doing shows together but I suppose there is kind of I just feel like doing an album at the same time as the uh, as Bitch Falcon and at the same time as Pillow Queens has been like a really amazing experience because we're all kind of like pushing each other along yeah in in what kind of sense just kind of like ah you can do it we can, you know yeah. we'll, we'll get through this but even just seeing like what they can accomplish and being like yeah cool I can aim for that as well which is great and I'm sure that they've had the same stuff with me like Sarah said that to me about in the past about uh you know seeing you get this Spotify thing means that I can get that. And when I see them do something, I'm like, yeah, I should push to do something like that. It's just, it's the same thing. Like I think Sarah was saying it on uh, the last podcast. She was saying that, you know, when she first got into a band and she first started music, she just thought, you know, I'm just going to play in like little venues and that'll be great. And then I'm going to go get another job. And that was my kind of attitude to it as well. And then you suddenly start seeing other people around you do really well. And you're like, this is totally possible. So it's kind of that as well, as well, as well as direct encouragement. Mm. And, and does it feel different now than it would have felt, you know, five years ago, even, I mean, the likes of CMAT coming through, who's like a totally new breed of uh, shouting from the rooftops kind of singer songwriter Mm. as well. Does it feel different just having more women around making music? Is there more women making music? Is that just my... There is more women breaking through, I think, breaking than ever through, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's great that that's noticeable and, and notable. And uh, yeah, that's... It's fantastic. Like, I mean, I remember when I first started, like, played my first gig, would probably be in, like, 2014 or something. A totally uh, as Alvaretti. As Alvaretti, yeah. Oh, but that was my first gig ever. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I think... Well, I played with a friend of mine, with Friends of the Family was the name, which I actually have released my album under that label. Uh, but that was the name of this little kind of duet band that I had with my friend Matt. And that was where I played my first... Which was just like, we played in pubs at open mic nights. That was That seemed to be the kind of world then, that there was like... Maybe it was just because I was so far outside of it, but it felt like it was like open mic nights... And then people who were playing like the Olympia. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem like there was such a massive scene in between that, which in the which in that time, there seems to be a massive like buzzing scene of all those kind of mid-level bands who are actually doing really well and touring in the UK and touring in Europe and going all over the place. Uh, but they're not necessarily, you know, selling out Vicar Street. 
And so is it just a case of sticking to it? Like, I mean, I, I don't know if you went to BIM or anything like that or, or, you know, wanted to be in the music industry. Was it just kind of you got off stage at night and you were like, I really enjoyed that. I want to do that again. And you just kind of persist. Uh, yeah, I guess like I've released actually a good bit of music. And uh, when I released my first EP, I just it's a good question because I guess you wonder, like, I do have moments where I'm not very happy with what I'm doing or it's a bit of a struggle. You kind of go, why am I still doing this, you know? (laughs) You're like, because it's great and it's really fun and it's not just fun, it's, like, extremely fulfilling when something goes well and when you put, like, your absolute, like, heart and soul into something and it does well and people connect to it, like, there's just no better feeling. Um, So that's why I still do it, but I suppose when I played my first few gigs, I felt like I was going to do that for about a year or two when I was like 22 and then I was going to go and like train to be a teacher and that's what I was going to do and maybe do a bit of music on the side for a few years and then you just get totally pulled into it and you know I played one gig and that led to another gig and that led to another gig and then I released a bit of music and that got used in an ad and then when I got the money from that I was able to like release more music and release and it just kind of snowballed kind of like that and all of a sudden you're in it and you're like well I'm not going to give up now yeah so there's no great plan at the start yeah I guess not I suppose and also because at the start like I'm sure Sarah would say the same thing as well that your idea of the industry and how it works is so flawed from the outside you're just like okay so I release a song and then it does really well and then it goes on the radio and you have no idea about like radio pluggers and pure and what (laughs) these things take and like what you're up against as well and how difficult it is to go from like releasing a song when you have like nothing there and to actually like make it something yeah but there's so many moving parts you don't realize exist yeah but you have kind of gotten that success now or that kind of maybe ease of of releasing singles like they're just judging by spotify which is the most visual thing Mm. that um is out there for a lot of artists like the the plays are racking up yeah which is really they've been very supportive of me spotify yeah i put out an ep in 2016 called hollow light sea and that just I remember like I put it out and I had no idea what I was doing and I remember I was working in an office at the time my friend texted me being like haha one of your songs has like 25,000 like hits on it and I went on and I was like that must be a glitch and I, <laughs> like, and I genuinely because I think like any, before that I think I'd never if I broke like a thousand plays on a song that would have been mind-blowing and, and I think uh, it is for a lot of artists yeah I was like what but that's insane 25,000 this has to be broken and then I noticed that like two or three of the songs had like were racking up plays and then it just kind of went from there and then since then they've always kind of been very like supportive of me and supportive of this album then as well which has been obviously incredibly helpful when you say Spotify has been supportive, what what do you mean by that? Is it kind of the people who are behind the playlist or like the, pe- the people in Spotify, the people whose names we never hear? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't speak to any of them directly, but they just seem to often playlist my stuff. It's this kind of like, I, I suppose it has to be to make sure that, you know, because if you know who's the tastemaker, then people can break into that. But with Spotify, it's kind of a, you don't really know who's behind all of it. Yeah. So there are people behind them. Yeah, there are. Yes, yes. It's not just algorithms. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm right in saying that Spotify helped you finance the album. I think you were saying that um, to Dave on No Anchor, were you? Yeah. Or it certainly I, was a big chunk of the, the money towards the album. Yeah. So the playlisting that I got for Distrust and for Seasonal was such that I was able to use that money to finance another EP and then a few years later I was able to like use it uh, not entirely finance the album but like probably half of it 
was Spotify money, which is pretty great. Yeah. Um, did it change the way that you wrote or thought about writing songs? Like this is the type of song that will get playlisted. Um, yeah, I think for, actually, no, like never Spotify. I did, I did spend when I first EP, I feel like my first EP and the album that I'm releasing aren't a hundred million miles apart, even though it's four years apart, but they're probably more alike than anything I've released in the, in between that time. Um, because I think I did that out, I did that EP in 2016 and that kind of took off on Spotify. And then the next thing was like, oh, let's try get on radio. So then I kind of released confused what I thought was like maybe more commercial music for a few years which I just didn't and that just didn't work for me so then I kind of went back and just was like I just want to write an album that I like and that's what I did with this um and that's what I'll be doing for my next album as well (laughs) just doing something that I like and not really trying to shoehorn it into something that I think that somebody else will like because what's the point in that I guess is that something you've only realized recently, like in the past six months when you were listening to the album or was it something after you released those songs that you were talking about that, you know, they were trying to be a little bit too commercial? Were you just like, I'm not feeling it, they're not doing as well? It was after I released, I think, um, Shame, which was a song I released two years ago. Which like, I like the song and it's like, cool, but it doesn't really represent me and it's not the sound that I think is mine. Uh, and I think I was doing it because I was like, this is a cool song. And I think this is a song that will do well on like radio or will do well, well elsewhere. And it it didn't because I don't think I really believed in it that much. And I kind of felt uneasy putting it out. It feels weird. I feel like I'm like bitching about myself <laughs> saying that. But as in I was just confused. I was just maybe too many. I was listening to too many other people's opinions. I think that's oh, okay. like that detrimental to any artist. And I think with the album... I still listen to people's opinions on what they thought, but ultimately, like, the last track on the album, Self-Approvement, which is, like, one of my favorite songs on the album. Like, a good few of my friends are like, well, I'm not really mad on that one. And I was like, no, I'm putting this on. <laughs> this one is, like, the finishing song. I'm definitely putting it on. And for me, I'm like, like, that's one of my favorite songs then after I finished it. And so who would have been the people who are, without naming names or anything, but who would have been the people saying like, oh, you should go in this direction or that direction? Is it just kind of people who are attracted to new artists in any kind of music scene? Yeah, and just like people I was working with, I suppose, like, and also myself, it was probably seeing other people put out that kind of music and being like, maybe that's what I should be doing, which I think is not a good way to look at things. And then also just the team I was working with, I suppose, at the time were probably trying to push me that direction or saying like oh listen to this song that somebody else did that's done very well maybe you should go that direction which is that's no uh, criticism of them that's just how people yeah. like work in the in the industry they see one thing working and then they want you to do it well actually you just need to be like you know it's such like recording an album especially is such an investment so it should be an investment that you're actually proud of mm. regard like so then if it, even if it sells like it doesn't sell any copies and it goes nowhere at least like in 10 years time you'll look back and be like that was really nice what I did yeah you follow you follow your own instinct and you'll be happy it sounds lame but like if you're gonna put that much money into a project you sure as hell need to like the project yeah did you feel like shite after like thinking that like oh I don't believe in the song it didn't do well I need to go back to what I was doing before or were you like I can't wait to go back to what I was doing before it was it was great I, I enjoyed it more and people enjoyed it more yeah, I think I went through a phase like of, I think in, I kind of got loads and loads of opportunities in 2017 after I'd done Hollow Out Sea and 
Like I got to do like Great Escape and Latitude and all these in Glastonbury and all these really amazing festivals. And I really didn't, I was so anxious and confused at the time that I just didn't take any of those opportunities properly. I, I wasn't ready for them. And I don't feel like I, yeah, which is maybe like a kind of sad thing to say, but. In, in what respect? Uh, like, like selling yourself sort of thing? Yeah. And also just like, I didn't have the band ready for what I wanted to do. I didn't have like a tight enough thing. I didn't have a tight enough like group like a crew around me essentially like because then I didn't have enough like I didn't have a band that I could go like okay we're a three-piece and we're going to be able to tour anywhere and we can make this work financially and it's this is a this is what we're doing it was very I was confused I didn't really know what I was doing and I felt like I fell short of the mark a good few times because I just because I just didn't know and there's so many things to organize and if you're not in a band and you're a solo artist that just can be an extremely overwhelming experience Hmm. And that's how I found it anyway. I found it extremely overwhelming. Because, um, like, I know with the girls in Pillow Queens, like, they were able to fill it, figure it out together. But I felt like I was often figuring it out on my own. And that's quite isolating. Um, so then when I released that song and I felt like it didn't really do well, I, I was kind of sad. But I ended up going on a solo tour with this guy, Will Varley, who's a great um, UK artist. He's, an, he's a great English kind of folk guy. And I did a, a I think... 17 or 18 dates all over the UK with him and I did them solo and that I before that I was almost just not gonna do music anymore because I was just like I'm just finding this so difficult and I just don't know where my head's at I just find like touring impossible I find all this stuff impossible I don't believe myself anymore and I went on that tour and I did it completely solo I very unwisely was like I, I was doing it on a shoestring so I was like oh I'll be on a I did it all on trains all over the UK I think I like took 40 trains in a month. It was insane. And I spent so much time on my own, but every gig was amazing because it was just me playing the song solo and it made like it really just brought me back to I actually love doing this when I'm comfortable doing it and I know I can do this and I know the songs are good enough. And that saved me, I think. Wow. So so it was just you, nobody else. Yeah, just solo. Wow, that must have been um I don't know, a big pressure to put on yourself. And do you feel more pressure just as a solo, like as Alvaretti, like the name is the band, you know, there's no kind yeah. of nothing else to hide behind, nobody else to hide with? Yeah, and I think I, I used to find it a massive pressure because I felt like, you know, everybody reaps the rewards when there's rewards, but uh, only I get the blows, <laughs> which is very, I, I wish I think that was probably more my own kind of neuroses thinking that way. Um, but now I have like, I work with like an amazing manager uh, he's so my old manager was great as well but the ma- manager I've worked with last year like you know he's so devoted to the project he's incredible like we talk every single day he's so supportive if something goes wrong I feel like I can really like rely on someone I think that's so important if you're solo you really need that it's like where I feel like the, it's a shared project and also I've gotten I'm older and I've had bad experiences so I know what my limits are you know I think back then part of my problem was I said yes to everything and then I just died under the stress of how I was going to make it work financially and logistically and stuff saying like yeah sure I'll do a gig in Kent on Saturday afternoon and then I'll play a thing later on that night in Cork and like why was I agreeing to that that's impossible right yeah so just learning to be like fuck off I'm not doing that (laughs) so so is that is that one of the things it's just like say no more often that seems to be like one of the keys to life absolutely yeah and I think I only learned how to say no when I was like 29 now so I must have only learned how to say no when I was like 28 or something 
Uh, and it was a massive thing. I used to just agree to things because I thought like, oh, these people are recommending that I do this. So it must be the best thing that I should do. And just relying on other people too much to make my decisions. And now I'm like, not doing that, not doing that, might do that. And your, man- your manager is on the phone just being like, Alvi, you've got to do something. <laughs> yeah. I'm not feeling gigs, actually. I'm not feeling that whole gig buzz these days. Yeah, that gig in the UK was a massive turning point for me. I'll- I really was scared about going on it because I the, really the felt, tour. yeah, I really felt I was at the end. And it was one of the best experiences of my life because I just was just taken out of, it was like being like thrown into a the cold water or something like that. It was just like this really refreshing thing that I really dreaded. But then it was like so refreshing and just eye-opening. And I made some, I made a lifelong friend with uh, one of the guys who was on the tour as well. And did you find that you were writing a lot more was it a creative experience being on the trains um, by yourself for so yeah, much yeah a it? few yeah trains are just lovely you know put on some stuff Shan Stevens and just look out the window and pretend you're in an indie film you're just like oh <laughs> and take, <laughs> taking a quick detour away from uh the music side of things was that the tour when you were doing the tea ratings am I it remembering was, yeah. correctly <laughs> let's take a quick detour that was into insanity the yeah that was just me slowly slipping into insanity because I was talking to people for like two hours every day <laughs> what's the perfect cup of tea any tips that you might um offer both for people making it and for going into hotels or wherever they're staying and what what should they look for so when you're making it at home like suit yourself and I think you know not, you're not divisive between berries no or... not at all this is the thing I'm not I'm easy easy to please when it comes to tea but so my theory is that the less nice the hotel within reason has a better tea station so if you're staying at kind of like an all right B&B they're gonna have like cookies and they're going to have probably a few herbal teas. They're going to have loads of stuff. They might even have like fresh milk at the odd time. But if you're staying in like a fancy hotel, like a Jury's or a Hilton or something, rarely happens to me, but the odd time you get lucky. Craps tea stations, just so bad. I'm like shocking. Not a biscuit in sight. Is, is a biscuit key to the tea experience? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. and then there's different types. Like most places will kind of go for that. No, those little like, they're kind of ginger biscuits and um, most places will go for that and it's like they're nice and don't get me wrong they're lovely but as in like I went into one place that was like shortbread biscuit a little chocolate oh, a digestive. choice of biscuit yeah yeah oh, and wow. obviously see for me especially on that tour I actually had like a plastic bag where I was just putting like <laughs> herbal teas biscuits soaps shampoos because I had to do this tour on the train so I brought like a minuscule bag so <laughs> it was for a whole month so I didn't pack shampoo for myself so I was actually just like hoarding things from each different hotel that I went to this makes me sound insane <laughs> I'll, we'll let the listeners make up their own minds. yeah yeah I mean this is my traveling tips yeah. Travel light and then gather gather moss as you go, like a rolling <laughs> stone. That doesn't make any sense. But that's that's what I did. I just stole stuff from hotels, essentially. And has your, your actual um, tea drinking changed at all? Are you like, uh, you were saying beforehand that you got a load of um, abuse for pouring too much milk? Yeah, I use an unbelievable amount of milk. Like a, Dulling down the taste of tea. Uh, yeah. Oh, I just want warm milk with like a kick. Yeah. <laughs> You just want a milkshake. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's pretty much like what a, you'd give to a small child. Yeah, uh, that's me. It's so comforting on your tummy. But I know that whenever I'm making tea for someone else, I, I used to work with a friend of mine when I used to work in an office. And I remember one day she was, I looked up while I was pouring milk into her tea and she was looking at me in horror. She was like, you can have that. I will make my own one. 
People are frequently like remaking tea that I've made them because I put in a lot, a lot of Oh, milk. okay, yeah. okay. Um, you you don't need to wean yourself off the milk or anything like that or, or no? Nah, that's Happy. all good. I'm just, yep, loads. And finally, dairy milk, mm. oat milk, what's It's dairy preference? milk um, and I know that that's not very in vogue, <laughs> but osteoporosis runs my family <laughs> and i think it's really important that i continue to drink dairy okay that's my excuse but it's also that i just prefer the taste that's fine but also it's it's a pretty a pretty good excuse yeah do you want to get back to the music or do you want to continue on a, a condiments kind of buzz um no condiments we could do that another <laughs> I, i've got another i've got another 10 minutes in me <laughs> yeah. oh yeah any tips in the kitchen any any stuff that you have to have uh chorizo oh yeah very good put it on anything uh potato waffles just a speedy snack throw them in the toaster yeah in the freezer they never go off because they're in the freezer and then throw them in the toaster hello dinner lunch breakfast whichever you want yeah particularly on a lazy sunday yeah a drunken lazy sunday or a hungover lazy sunday (laughs) or you come in and you're hammered yeah you're not going to burn the house down if it's in a toaster would you ever commit to buying a waffle maker or anything like that uh no probably not no um seems like a lot of upkeep definitive yeah, no, I just, I'm kind of, like, the less clutter on the counters, the better. Oh. Okay. You know, get the toaster and the microwave there, and I think that's... Yeah, I'll just look over your kitchen, honey. It's pretty cluttered, <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, let's get back to the music. <laughs> okay. Um, do you feel like you've changed as a songwriter? Do you think that you've just gotten more confident with it? Just kind of making those, like, mistakes? I don't know if you'd say mistakes. along the way do you feel like now you can write a song and you can stand behind it totally when you decide like oh this is the right one yeah definitely and I I definitely have had experiences where I really believe in a song and I'm just playing it on guitar or I have a demo of it or whatever and other people are like not convinced I I know now that if something if if I find something really moving then someone else will and that it's worth taking a, a shot on myself. But I also think that as a songwriter, I've definitely changed in that when I was like first putting stuff out, I didn't really know about write, like the craft of songwriting. as Verse, like, chorus. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. I was just kind of like, this sounds good with this part. And then I've kind of learned over time to be like, first chorus, this is easier for someone to listen to. And you can still, you can still be really creative with that format and you can still put in as much as you want. If anything, it just gives you... Uh, uh, a vessel to put your thoughts into that's a bit more clear for other people to engage with mm. and playing gigs does that really help the songs come together in terms of like maybe even on that tour like are you are you actually trying out new ideas on the tour and like trying different variations on songs or on words and seeing mm. how people react to yeah definitely I always think that especially as a solo artist I think it's really important that I am able to play every single one of my songs solo and it sounds good for me that's like if you can't play this if I can't play a song solo and it be good and be like received reasonably well then that song's not that song needs to be you know taken apart how come just just from that tour not from that tour but also just in my experience of like writing a song kind of in a uh, writing session with somebody or writing a song at home where I'm using it in kind of more of a demo scenario where I'm using my laptop to write stuff and I've kind of and then when I go to translate that onto just onto a guitar or just onto a key like playing on keys and if it doesn't work it's kind of the song should work on its own like any good song can be pulled back to just the chords and the vocal and it's still nice 
Oh, that sounds like songwriting advice yeah. right there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's, sort of, that's my opinion of it anyway. I, there's obviously loads of great songs that don't abide by that. But for me, that's my kind of own little rule. And were you at a crossroads after that tour where you were thinking of, you know, oh, am I just a solo artist now? Or were you always like, oh, there is a band? Um, I was always a solo artist, yeah. And then I've played with different backing bands over the years. Um, so yeah, I was very much aware that I was a solo artist. I think it made me it made me feel differently about the way I was doing things because at that stage I had like, you know, it was me and four other people and we were using backing tracks and all this stuff and I was finding all that really, really stressful. And then I was like, actually just pair it back and make it about the songs and don't get in the way of that. I remember the, one of the guys, my friend Stuart, who was on, I was on that tour uh, with in the UK, he sent me this amazing list of things about music and one of them was get out of the way of the song. <laughs> That's why I always follow that bit of advice. It's just like if something isn't working, but the song works, then just get rid of everything else. So I now just play with, uh, it's me and two others and maybe Max, another a, thir- a third person with me. Um, but yeah, because I think that works. Pair it back, don't get rid of all the fancy stuff and it just makes me be able to enjoy myself more. I don't work well if I feel like I can't, change stuff up if it's like a really solid set list where I'm using a backing track and we have to go from one song to the next and there's I don't feel like I have time to like interact with people or uh like turn around to the band and decide we're going to do something a bit different that makes me feel like caged in and super nervous one thing that I should mention that just came to mind there while you were talking your stage banter is great I know that there's not gigs on at the moment but the few times that I've seen you I've always been like man she's really at ease up there <laughs> that's what it's good that that's what it seems like yeah <laughs> I tend to just talk <laughs> trash. Do you, yeah. do you do you go up with a plan for banter? Because I've talked with no. it with various people over the years, and like some of them will say that they love it. You know, they love mm. the kind of the the interaction or the kind of the thinking on the spot. And others are like, I just wish didn't have to talk. Yeah, and I think it's you know I like doing the the chatty bits in between because I think it's really funny. And not being able to do that makes me feel like everything's a bit too serious which I don't, I'm not a serious person. I know the song, a lot of my songs are a bit sad. So I'm like, but I'm not, that's not me. That's like, the songs are sad because that's like the darkest part of my psyche. But then look, I'm smiling. (laughs) Yeah. So I know that's, it's fun. Like if you've got a room full of people uh, standing in front of you and they're listening to your songs and they're into what you're doing and they're like laughing at what you're saying, like there's no better vibe great great and tell me about the actual decision to make an album like had you thought about it beforehand or had you like scrapped plans for an album before yeah that you didn't feel ready plans yeah um yeah I really always wanted to do one and I probably like I've been saying I'm gonna put out an album for ages because I did have plans to do it like year on year on year on year and then in 2018 after I did that tour I was like I'm gonna do an album because I was like this is what I want to do. And I knew exactly how I wanted it to be. And I kind of scrapped other plans that I had had to record it in a different way and to do different kinds of songs. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to do these kind of songs. And I ended up actually only like three or four of the songs were written at that stage. And then all the rest were written at kind of at the end of 2018 and the kind of beginning of 2019. And then I recorded it that summer. And how was it? Um, because Sarah was talking about recording with Tommy as well up in Attica Audio Studios in Donegal. You've recorded yes. with him as well. Um, would you just say the same things that she did? Anything else that you want to add to the uh, Tommy hype slash love? 
Ah, uh, he's great. Yeah, uh, like actually, funny. I re- I recorded it with. So I hadn't met Tommy before, and I knew that the girls had been recording with him. And it was funny how it came together because I had um, written a song with this guy Erlen Cooper, who's um, I'd met through my publisher uh, years ago, and we'd written a song called "Walk Away Together," and which is on the album. And um, I just he was really encouraging I know the sound I keep using the word encouraging but like that's something that's so important when you meet somebody who doesn't just kind of go yeah that's cool or like that's not good or change these things someone who's just kind of like that's really great those lyrics are great you need to explore that and someone who sits there and is like you can definitely do that and tell and he's like you can definitely produce your own record you can definitely do this you can definitely play the piano there even though you think that you can't make yourself do it like work hard and you will absolutely accomplish that thing just really like pushes you forward in a really great way so every time I like did a writing session with him I felt like I really learned something about myself and felt like really good I also felt like he got the most out of my vocal and he really knew how my vocal should sound which is a really important thing for a solo artist I think and uh, I asked him to do the album with me and he was like right what we're gonna do is is you (laughs) he know he's known Tommy for years so he was like, you, me and Tommy are going to do this in Donegal. It's going to be like an experience. We're going to do two weeks there. We're going to do all this stuff together. We're going to like get in the room and just do this. And it'll just be the three of us. And that's what we did. And it was really funny because the girls were in, in the middle of kind of recording their album, which they had a whole like year process of doing that. And then I ended up <laughs> recording in the same place, which was actually just like really lovely and really nice that it came together that way. And um, yeah, I think I had like 15 or 16 songs that I wanted to be on the album. And then we got in the first day and we went through all 16 songs and we were just all on the same page of what should actually be there and what the concept was and what what were the best songs and what how it was going to sound and it was just magic I guess like just really nice you know when you just get into a room and you just click with people it's just really lovely great um it I'm I don't know if I if surprise is the right word but like it's a guitar heavy album were you expecting that going going in like was it Tommy who's like a brilliant guitarist in mm. his own right was he like we can put some more guitars on this uh, well yeah that's funny because that's all the kind of music I listen to and I guess people often think that I'm a really acoustic artist but I haven't played an acoustic guitar or I've not released acoustic moves in years and uh, that's all the kind of music that I grew up listening to is like that kind of vibe so it was very much and then I was also like so into Big Thief when I was recording that album that I was it was very much Tommy and I went in the same page of just being like heaps of guitars and the same kind of like loads of like toms and stuff on the drums and the same kind of like dry snare sound and stuff like that so yeah it was definitely kind of both both of us but uh, Tommy is an amazing guitarist for sure um big thief i think that they might be like one of the more influential bands of the past five years and it seems like this year in particular there's just a great like i mean all of my favorite albums this year are by women the likes of waxahatchee the likes of soccer mommy and it's it's great that the likes of uh you and pillow queens are releasing albums as well i don't know what's i don't know is it just me that's changed? Is it is it the music industry, like we were saying earlier, that like people are just paying more attention? Yeah, and I also think that like people are paying attention to Ireland, but I also think like maybe this is just me, but I feel like I'm kind of part of a scene now that I didn't think that I was before. I always felt like I was kind of drifting in between different things, and I was doing stuff in the UK with certain people, and then I was doing stuff at home with certain people, but never really part of. It. And now I feel like there's a really like strong indie guitar girl band scene <laughs> that's great and I've never felt that before so yeah it's really nice the word scene 
uh like it's necessary it's a necessary <laughs> evil man <laughs> yeah actually we were only talking about it the, like last week or something i guess that's why it's fresh in my mind because we were kind of like there actually kind of is a whole thing there's a bunch of us doing like not the same stuff but like a similar thing and we have the same goals and we're all pushing towards the same thing and working with a lot of the same people a lot of the same like-minded people which i haven't haven't experienced before and i guess also for like female artists you're kind of expected to be uh, always be playing like really like heartfelt like soft stuff and which is great when people do that and that's their vibe but like sometimes I've always felt like I wanted to like push things a bit further and be a bit more energetic and I suppose seeing Big Thief do that and seeing Adrian Lenker live and stuff like that was just mind-blowing because I was like yeah I want to do that yeah that's the thing with Big Thief as well that they can go very very hard and then she very can soft. also do her her intimate mm. uh, solo stuff as well where it just Which sounds is, like it's just her mm. like under a blanket or something almost crying yeah. into the microphone because for years I wanted to do like heavier songs that I had on my set list and then I wanted to be able to do the softer songs that I have as well and I'd never really seen another artist not that I'd never seen another but I'd never seen another artist do it in that kind of way the way that Adrian Lenker does it and uh not saying I want like a patch on her obviously but um and then when I saw her doing that I was like yeah you can totally have a mix of those things in a set yeah that's completely fantastic that she's doing that because now I'm like it's it's monkey see monkey do (laughs) at the end of the day it's like you see someone else doing that and you're like I can do yes okay cool that's that makes perfect sense. But but that's what Sarah from Pillow, we're, we're referencing this podcast a lot um, <laughs> in it. I, I kind of thought that we might, but um, if people haven't listened to it, they can, uh, maybe they need to go back and well, pause this Me one, and Sarah are obsessed and... with each other. It's no secret, yeah. <laughs> but, but like she was saying, it's like the more visibility there is and the more people like in a couple of years, the younger acts who are starting, like the, it's so much more visible now and it's great yeah. to see. When I was starting off, it was like very few. It was like Lisa Hannigan, was massive and she's incredible and that was the only artist in Ireland that I was like really aware of when I started off and that just seemed like a completely unattainable height yeah and like Lisa Hannigan I feel like I could do like um highlights from like hour-long highlights of uh chats I've had over the years on the podcast with people talking about how great Lisa Hannigan is and I still feel like she just hasn't gotten the dues that she's yeah absolutely that that um irish times list that came out uh in the middle of summer like the best irish albums of all time like she's not in there the only time that she's mentioned is with uh damien rice i know when i saw that i wanted to just uh i think (laughs) i think i was reading it on my screen so i was like fuck yeah i don't want to smash my phone yeah i just i just think justice for lisa hannigan yeah let's start a new podcast called justice (laughs) for lisa hannigan yeah she's incredible and she's also just like uh, yeah trail like a kind of trailblazer yeah and just the greatest voice yeah absolutely stunning and she's definitely inspired like a lot of a lot of people for sure me included even though like our music wouldn't be similar would you still kind of class her as maybe an influencer was that kind of just when you were starting out do you think that there's still bits of that kind of floating around my biggest like irish female influence was wallace bird because i was aware of her probably before um lisa hannigan because i used to watch um balcony tv Oh, remember yeah. Balcony TV? Yeah. And I remember I used to like watch that religiously on YouTube when I was like 15 or 16. I think that must have been the kind of time where it was quite big or maybe when I was starting out. And I remember seeing Wallace Bird playing uh, To My Bones, that like early single she had. Um, and I just thought she was like so energetic and I just loved the way she sang and I loved the energy behind it and the way she played the guitar. And I just like completely like fell in love with her and her music and was like obsessed with her for years. And so she'd be like my 
she was like my hero of like oh my god she can do this yeah I want to do that yeah and she's someone else who kind of deserves a lot more love as well critically oh uh, like way more yeah like she's absolutely incredible and she's so supportive of other artists coming up as well which is amazing like I supported her in January which like she's so nice and I met her a few times around and uh that was a huge moment for me where one of those moments where like you're supporting someone who was like my fuck, like hero when I was like 16 16 17 18 19 probably <laughs> and uh it was just a huge moment she was just she's just really sound and really nice and she's so talented and like I could watch her perform for two hours and just I, I, one of my favorite gigs of all time was watching her in Whelan's maybe two or three years ago and I was either like about to cry during the gig or at other points I was like dying laughing because she just brings you to such like highs and like she brings you just on this like journey or whatever where like you're she's playing like uh feathered pocket which is like this beautiful like little love song and then she just starts playing like another song in between that and then she goes and she just makes hilarious jokes like her stage banter is <laughs> second she's to your, your none hero. yeah she just she's just an incredible performer so she was probably like my big influence and has remained one she is such a fervent fan base as well mm, like that's absolutely. one of the big things about wallace bird it's like a wallace bird gig gets announced and you know it's going to be uh practically sold out by like the same people who are going to be down the front yeah. and loving it i'm included in that i've <laughs> seen her play a gazillion times yeah she's in, yeah she's just incredible and yeah c- criminally underrated um so all of that is kind of floating around uh while you're making the album are you happy with how it sounds you like d- does it take a while to figure it out or was it very much straightforward everybody kind of clicked and you got what you wanted and you're happy with how it sounds yeah now, like 18 months on yeah i mean yeah i'm pretty happy with it and we recorded it last June and August. We did like a week in July. Sorry, we did a week in July and a week in August. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy with that. It was very easy to figure out. It was all very like James Byrne came, who manages Pillow Queens and who plays with us. So um, he came up to Donegal and he played the drums on the tracks. And it was all just like it was dead straightforward. I, I really thought it was, you know, because I've been in studio situations where it's just a nightmare figuring out different things. And it was all just like clicked which is really lucky. It could have been a disaster because I only met Tommy like twice before that. But no, it was wonderful. And yeah, also just like a nice experience, especially being up in Donegal where you're kind of removed and we weren't, I'd done lots of things in the past where you're recording an EP, but you're doing it in dribs and drabs. This was very much like we did a whole week where we got the bones of the album down and then we did another week in August and got the rest of it done. So it was like a real experience and you're not doing anything in the evenings. You're just, that's what you're doing for the full, full weeks. It was kind of like a, lovely lovely experience so like you're just thinking about it all the time and thinking about like different ways to make the tracks work. yeah and like we were all having like breakfast lunch and dinner together and it was just just a really lovely bonding experience like just you know you, you really like bond with someone after that and you're like really good friends with them because you spent so much time in the studio and where i'm gonna and now when i listen to it i'm just like i would do certain things differently just because i would have more confidence and like I suppose as a songwriter, I'm always like looking towards the next thing. So I'm like, I already have a second album written, which I'm planning to put out next year, probably. Yeah. Wow. You're just throwing that at me. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you already feel that you have more confidence now than you did yeah. like a year ago. Yeah. I just feel like I'm learning all the time and I am, um, I have just started like recording all my own, like a lot of my own stuff and kind of demoing a lot more and getting more to grips with I think actually it was funny enough like Wyvern Lingo I remember hearing an interview with them years ago and talking about changing their sound from kind of uh, release to release and they were saying like you do the best with the 
kind of tools that you have at the time and that's one thing that kind of has stuck with me because I do think like you know I was releasing acoustic music when all I had was an acoustic guitar and then you know I moved from that and now I'm kind of looking at things especially during lockdown I was like trying to get better at producing and stuff like that so I've come up with like loads of different other songs that are the same ish kind of thing but like moving further along and just developing that I that kind of idea because I'm getting better at like using synths and I'm getting better at like trusting my gut when it comes to doing different like time signatures and stuff like that you know if you forget what I mean I'm already you're just always progressing which is the exciting part of it and that's what's interesting when you talked earlier about being able to play the songs yourself like you can kind of layer as much on but ultimately it does have to sound good just on its own in its own strip back way absolutely yeah that's I still stick to that rule if you can't like unplug everything and just play it on a guitar and sing along with it and you don't like it anymore then I I would personally just toss it or keep working on it. And so before we talk about your second album, <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about the debut. Dare I say that it's a bit of a concept album of Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no? yeah man. I love concept albums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean there is it, definitely a concept behind it, yeah. Kind of chronicling a relationship, chronicling your your journey through your 20s. Yeah, for sure. Like as in I'm releasing it at just turned 29 and uh yeah, I guess I'm like releasing it. Just with all the stuff that you learn moving on, like as in part, some of the songs are about uh, kind of a long on and off relationship I had. And then some are about a massive breakup I had like two years ago that was like heartbreaking. And then some of them are about just realizing like, wow, I need to like settle down, <laughs> not settle down with somebody, but just like chill out and stop being so intense with like partying and stuff like that. And that that personal history, which is the title track, is all about realizing that like calm relationships are actually good relationships and all the kind of passion and madness that you get caught up in maybe when in your early 20s that you think is really exciting is possibly unhealthy and I think that you've always kind of put yourself in your own life in the songs like maybe going back to the the first release but do you find it um kind of comforting maybe kind of cathartic is the word that always comes to mind with some of this stuff uh do you feel like a uh, weight is lifted off your shoulders sometimes when you're writing it trying to make sense of s- some of the stuff that's happened to you and trying to set it to song absolutely and uh I always use this quote but like uh, Mar- Maria Abramovich that artist always says that um you know happiness doesn't have to be transformed into something else and that's why people make more art when they're kind of sad or they're going through something I definitely think that because anytime I've been really down the only thing that'll make me feel better is maybe writing something about it even if it's just for me and I don't end up releasing it and there's been often been times where I've written something and I've just sat down and written a song and been like god I didn't even know I was upset about that or I didn't even know I was still thinking about that and it's just amazing that there's this like subconscious thing that can just come forward when you're singing little bits and noodling away on the guitar. Yeah. Do Do you know like when you're when you're sitting down that you're going to write about these things? Or you're going to try and confront them. Sometimes and then other times not at all. Like I wrote a song a, a while ago that I was just really shocked that I wrote it, even even wrote a song about it, and then I was like, oh. And then other times you write it down. You, like I I I would be very like lyric centric when it comes to music, and I really. I know I kind of I'll have a lyrical idea in my head before I sit down to write the music um so when I'm doing that I suppose I have an idea of what I want it to be about and I have an idea of what I'm trying to kind of confront so yeah and and do you try and write any kind of other way or is that like this is the way that works for me for now yeah anyway. this is, yeah yeah I mean like other sometimes 
you can slave over a song for like a year like every once in a while you'll sit down and try to figure something out and you still won't have it which happened to me loads of times and it, you'll kind of write it in little bits and pieces and be spend forever trying to like sew it together and other times you just sit down and you're playing something and you just finish a whole song in 10 minutes and that's the beautiful times when that happens but more often than not it's like something that you chip away at and so what's next it's uh are you booking gigs thinking about playing live are you well i was meant to be doing a launch for the album oh yeah that was supposed to be in the workman's club on october 2nd yes i had tickets for that well the tickets are rescheduled for november 20th fingers crossed yeah i'm hopeful because they've put on a lot of gigs um and they're being just very very good at like uh, kind of I suppose they're trying to obey the guidelines and stuff like that and they've done that very successfully and there's a few venues who are doing that very successfully so I kind of have faith it will be going ahead because it was completely all go until Dublin kind of went into another lockdown <laughs> yeah it's a uh, killer it's a strange time to be releasing uh, albums yeah but, it is but yeah yeah congratulations thank you very much yeah. and so is the second album uh, I don't know how much you want to say about it, how much you want to uh, divulge, but is it kind of like the next stage? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I kind of, I suppose I took so long to, I, I, I was always writing my first album and it was just financially, like it takes a lot to like pull all those pieces together and do it at a time that feel you feel comfortable doing it, I guess. And um, that's why it took me so long. And the second one, I'm like, I have all the songs. I feel like I have the momentum and I feel like I have like the self-belief. So why as well? Might as well do it. <laughs> that's something that that has just come, like, in recent years of self-belief. That's kind of everything that yeah. you've been building up towards. Yeah. I suppose, like, everyone kind of gets it a bit where you have, like, imposter syndrome. You're playing, like, a big gig and you can't believe that you're there. And I've, like, often let that be the thing that defines the moment for me is, like, feeling like I shouldn't be somewhere. So I'm trying not to let that get in the way anymore. Cool. Uh, well, I don't think you should let it get <laughs> in the way. It's a great album. Uh, I think I, I think and hope that it does uh, great things for you. And maybe you'll get to play it live, hopefully, maybe <laughs> yeah. this year and a lot next year. <laughs> maybe you'll get to play it live someday, any day. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, thanks for the chat and best Thank of luck you. with it. Ah, thanks. Thanks.